Well, we're in week eight of Into the Flannel Graph as we are tracing through this story. And uh, uh, we, we've been dealing with this idea that who we are determines what we do. In other words, as we, as we find our identity, it will, sh- it will shape our actions. And, 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 and though we're not just a sum of our actions, our actions do kind of de- define our identity. And so we, we've been tracing through this with this idea that as we look through this story, God's story helps us find our identity as the people of God. That, that God has something more for us in mind uh, than, than we can even begin to hope and imagine. Uh, just um, in, in, in the fall, we're going to be reading or working through the, the book of Ephesians. And I, I kind of have a feeling that it's going to be more than a fall series as, as I begin to work through this great book. And uh, one of the things that, that comes through in this book of Ephesians is, is Paul's determination for the people of God to see who they are in Christ and, and to grab hold of those promises and, and all that he has in mind for them. And, and so I hope as we're tracing through this story, you begin to see that, that God has a great plan, a great, a great vision, not only for you as an individual, but for us as a people. Uh, that, that, that God is inviting us to be part of a people that he's going to save and use and use to transform our community. And, and so as, as we trace through the story, we, we've, we've looked at creation and we've looked at catastrophe. We've looked at Adam and Eve and, and Noah. We've, we, we've talked about covenant with Abraham. We've talked about the detours uh, that all of us have in life. We've talked about deliverance. Uh, we talked about command and community, and then we talked last week about wilderness and exile. We, we kind of ran through uh, the, the rest of the Old Testament to get to Jesus. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I'm glad that we're finally talking about Jesus. Uh, just says, say his name with me, Jesus, right? Say it again, Jesus. Uh, there, there's something about Jesus that, that just begins to bring this all together. All all these questions that we have oftentimes are answered by Jesus. Uh, I was reading N.T. Wright's commentary for Ephesians, and he said this, Worship for Christians will almost always involve telling the story of what God has done in and through Jesus. I love that quote. And, you know, it just resonated with me as I read it this week. Even as we consider Jesus, if we truly consider Jesus, there should be a worship response from the people of God as we think of what God has done through Jesus. In fact, there's been a lot of tough times in our church over the past three or four years. And as I've walked through these tough times with you, oftentimes... I've got through these tough times, not because I feel like I have all the answers, because i got to tell you, I don't. But as I've walked through these difficult times with you, it always comes back to Jesus. That, that when things don't make sense to me, I look at Jesus. And it begins to at least, I begin to see the love of God and, and what God thinks of me and us. See, Jesus shows us God. When we look at Jesus, we see the image. We see a perfect revelation of our God. And so as we trace through this, today we're going to talk about the life of Jesus. 
Uh, next week we're going to talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to spend two weeks on Jesus. Is that okay? Can we talk about Jesus for two weeks? And uh, Jesus shows us God. And John 14, the last night with the disciples, Jesus is, is talking to him and sharing with them. And for chapter 14 says, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father that it will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the, the Father is in me? That the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am the, in the Father and the Father is in me. And at or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So Jesus tells the disciples, look, look when, when you look at me, you're seeing the Father. The, the, the Father is being shown, is being manifested through me. And so to look at me is to see the Father. And in the book of Hebrews, it begins with this in chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom all, also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Well, there's some big thoughts, folks, that, that Jesus shows us God. A anybody ever say something to the extent that when I get to heaven, I have some questions about some of the things that, that, that I read in the Bible and, and things that... You know, anybody else but me? <laughs> you know, frankly, there's, there's some times that, that I have trouble reconciling, particularly in the Old Testament, some of the stories. Maybe that's not a problem for you, but i got to tell you, as a pastor and as someone who sees how Jesus lived... Sometimes it's difficult for me to reconcile some of the stories. And you know what I do when I can't? I look at Jesus. And I just figure, well, I'll just look to Jesus because he is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus was fully God. But it's not enough just to recognize that. Jesus was fully human. Uh, that's, that's a little bit deep, isn't it? <laughs> but Jesus was both. He was fully God, and he was and he is fully human. God expressed in human form. See, Jesus shows, shows us what it means to be fully human, <laughs> You know, when we live in sin, when we live less than holiness, when we live less than righteousness, we're not living as we were created to live. And Jesus shows us that God is calling us to something more than living in sin, than living just for ourselves. But He shows us what it means to fully express God in human form. Matter of fact, Paul calls him the, the new Adam. 
that, that there's an old Adam that failed, and now Jesus is the new Adam, and Jesus did not fail. That, that he lived his life in alignment with the Father. That, that he wrestled with temptation like you and I. That he, that he wrestled with, with hardship and sickness and being tired and being hungry. He wrestled with the human condition. And at the end of it, he came out obedient to the Father. See, see if we don't grasp that, I, I think we, we miss the beauty of the message. That, that God has not come through Jesus Christ just to get us to heaven. That's a pretty good thing, amen? But God has come through Jesus Christ to allow us to live fully human in this place to really love and to really be obedient and to really follow God. That's a pretty big hope. <laughs> That's what I call optimistic grace. <laughs> that the, God, the grace of God is optimistic that not only does he think he can save me, but he thinks he can change me and transform me. <laughs> Jesus shows us what it means to be fully human. And and we look at his life. See, it's, the value of Jesus' life was not just his death and resurrection, but the way he lived his life. You understand that, right? That, 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 that all that he did before he died on the cross and was raised from the, the, the dead, all that happened before was not just um, a, a preclude, pre, prelude or, or something, that, a preamble, but it had significance. That he showed us how to live. Now, there's a lot of phrases associated with Jesus. We know him as Jesus. His last name is Christ. <laughs> that was a joke. That's really not his last name. But, uh, you know, Jesus Christ. Jesus Messiah. You know, Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. That Jesus was the Messiah. That, that, and, and the Messiah had a particular role in, in their prophecy. The Messiah was going to come and he, he was going to be the new king. Uh, he, he was going to be the, the new son of David. And he was going to sit on the, king, the, the king's throne. See, there's a repeated theme throughout Israel's story. But what we see it over and over, we've traced through the story a few times. There, there would be oppression and there would be deliverance. And so the people of Israel are in slavery in Egypt. They're, they're being oppressed and God sends a deliverer who is Moses. The, the people of Israel make it out of slavery and, and they're in Palestine and, and there's no king yet and, and, and they would be under oppression by the Philistines or others and God would send a, a judge. And the judge would deliver him. And so you have the stories of Samson and Japheth and, and, and the story of Gideon and Deborah. Jephthah, by the way, is one of those stories that I have trouble reconciling in my mind. Anybody else read the story of Jephthah? Nobody else even knows what I'm talking about? Read it. And then he would send a king. So, so David is, is, is a good example. David is a king that uh, killed the giant, and the giant was a what? What country? 
Philistine. And so, so David's battling the Philistines, and, and, and David leads them to victory. There's oppression, and there's deliverance. And, and you see this throughout the story. And at the time of Jesus, they were looking for a Messiah. That that final deliverer, that, that, the, that would bring them the ultimate deliverance. And Jesus comes and he's declaring the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. The, the, the peace of the kingdom of God. And, and, and you miss it if you don't see it, that, that he's declaring the same thing the Romans are, but he's doing it in a different way. See, the Romans are coming and declaring the good news of the kingdom of Caesar, the kingdom of their God that would bring the peace of Rome and Jesus comes with the same language, declaring the good news of the kingdom of God. In Mark, he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus was king, right? We understand that, that Jesus was king. That in every way, Jesus meets the parameters of a king, that, that, that the people accepted him. When he comes into Jerusalem with, with the, the palm branches, they are declaring him king. That, that, a, that a prophet had declared that he was king, John the Baptist. And on top of that, the, the power that was by, by a judicial ruling crucified him. And on the top of the cross, what was the judgment? king of the Jews. Jesus was king, not, not just in a spiritual way, but Jesus was king in every way. But, but what kind of king was Jesus? You know, we talked about this phrase, Messiah, and and, and, and sometimes that phrase would be associated with son of David. And of course, the, the first king that was son of David was Solomon. Solomon was a son of David. And we see with Solomon last week that, that Solomon's reign was marked by great wealth. For some, but not everybody. That, that, that Solomon's reign was, was marked by oppression. <laughs> the, the cries of the people on the margins were ignored. And Solomon's reign was marked by stale religion. In a lot of ways, Solomon made Israel Egypt. <laughs> what kind of king would Jesus be? Luke's account, after Jesus is tempted, he, he ends up in Nazareth as he begins his ministry and the story goes like this, And Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the Scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where, where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, 
that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Sometimes they'll use the phrase that the, 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 the Messiahship mystery because there's times that Jesus seems to push away any belief that he's Messiah. But then there's times in Scripture where Jesus just very plainly says, I am he. I am the Messiah. And this is one of these times that, that Jesus is acknowledging that he is king that he is Messiah, that he is the anointed one, that he has been sent by God. <laughs> and what would this king look like? King Jesus is marked by humility. In, in John 13, we, we find this account that it, it's, it's, it's the week of Passover. It's, it's the week he's going to be crucified. And, and, and he knows these times come and, and, and he's going to return to the Father. And it says in the scripture, he, he loved the disciples during his ministry and he loved them to the very end. And, and during supper, he knew that Judas Iscariot had already was already prepared to betray him. He knew, and I love this phrase, he knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. And that he had come from God and he was going to return to God. Pretty good place to be, right? And the scripture says, knowing all these things, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash and dry the disciples' feet. <laughs> do, do you see it? See, humility is not a lack of self-esteem but humility is an understanding of who you are in God's kingdom. That, that Jesus had this perfect understanding in God's kingdom, and because he had this perfect understanding of who he was in God's kingdom, he could serve. What's holding you back from service? Is it because you're so concerned about what others might think or what others might say, that you're not willing to serve wherever God has opportunity for you to serve? See, Jesus wasn't too good to wash feet. Now, now sometimes we make this a spiritual exercise. We make this something we do. Anybody, anybody ever been in a foot washing service? Yeah. Okay, well, let's go ahead and bring the basins in. No, we're not going to do it today. Uh, we make it this spiritual thing. Jesus serves in a practical way. That, that, that his humility led not to just something that they would say, hey, you know, look what he's doing, but it led to practical service meeting real needs. That this was something that needed to be done. And in humility, Jesus cared for his disciples. 
you see care for the oppressed. In Matthew, and you see this throughout the scripture, there's so many passages. Matthew 35 through 36, 9, 35 through 36, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. <laughs> and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, you see this over and over in the ministry of Jesus. I, you know, I, I was just reading through Luke, and Jesus comes down from, from, from delivering the Sermon on the Mount, or a, a sermon, and as he comes down, there's a leper. You know, an untouchable. And Jesus touches him and heals him. Did you realize how radical that is? Who's the untouchables in our society? You know, there's a lot of people you could put in that list, isn't there? <laughs> Jesus was willing to touch them. Jesus was willing to be with them to the extent that people begin to talk bad about Jesus because of who he is willing to associate himself with. <laughs> Jesus wasn't afraid of the margins. Jesus is marked not with stale religion, but intimacy with the Father. I know the Father, and the Father knows me. I am the beloved Son. Whatever the Father tells me to do, I do. I'm not here to accomplish my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. <laughs> In, in no way can you find stale, going through the motions, religion with Jesus. You know what the sin of our age is? Stale, going through the motions, religion. Just doing the same things because we always do the same things. It's the kind of religion that in Revelation... I would classify it, and none of you here are dealing with that problem, okay, right? We're all good, right? Right, look like that mean preacher shaking his finger. The sin in my life, the problem with me is that sometimes I'm satisfied with stale religion just going through the motions, when God calls me to this intimacy that sets my life on fire. Where I'm willing to take chances and go places and do things I wouldn't do otherwise. Jesus was marked by obedience. To, to, to me, the essence of Jesus is the garden. To, to me, the essence of holiness is the garden. To, to me, Jesus is the new Adam because of what he does in the garden when he wrestles with the will of God. The, the, the will of God to tie on a cross and Jesus sweating drops of blood
If Jesus can wrestle with the will of God in his life, you and I can wrestle with the will of God in our life. As a matter of fact, I, I, I firmly believe that, that sometimes we choose the easier path oftentimes, and God's calling us to more. And, and I think in our lives, I, I pray that God will give me, I, I, and I kind of say this kind of fearfully, I pray God will give me moments where I've got to wrestle with what he wants me to do. And I've got to pray drops of blood as I try to figure out how I'm going to accomplish God's will in my life. And Jesus gets to this point, and he's, he's wrestling with the will of God, but throughout, what's he say? Not my will, but your will. Not, not what I want, but what you want. Anybody ever been there? It's no fun, is it? Not my will, but your will. See, see, Jesus, and this isn't, when we look at Jesus, it's not just about Jesus, but it's what Jesus is calling for his kingdom people to look like and live like. Did you, do you understand that? That, that? that this isn't just the call of Jesus, but the call of Jesus is my call and your call if we want to be kingdom people. See, see, Jesus is calling us to a new kingdom marked by humility, care for the oppressed, intimacy with God, and obedience. This consumed, this consumed the very essence, the very life of Jesus. And he's calling us to be consumed by the kingdom. To, to allow the kingdom to invade every aspect of our life. See, see this, is, this is not a Sunday morning only experience. J Jesus didn't live synagogue service to synagogue service. We cannot live partially in the kingdom. Jesus' call is radical. N.T. Wright, in his book, Jesus, A New Vision of Who He Was and What He Did and Why He Matters, writes this. Jesus, the Jesus we might discover if we really looked, is larger, more disturbing, more urgent than we, than the church, had ever imagined. <laughs> My invitation today is wrestle with Jesus. Uh, spend some time in the Gospels this week. And, and ask yourself, is my life consistent with what I'm reading? When I look at this Jesus that's portrayed in the Scriptures... When I look at what Jesus did and where he went and what he taught and how he lived... Is that consistent with my life? Yeah, I, I wondered, and we've, we've done altar two weeks in a row, and our, our altars are always available. You know, they, they, they really are. Um, and I've just decided to let the Spirit kind of guide us here this morning. 
And we're going to close with the Lord's Prayer. And I believe the Lord's Prayer invites self-reflection. And so we're going to go through a part of it. And then as we go through what I would call the kingdom prayer, that this is the prayer of kingdom people, right? Right? Um, you guys got to help me every once in a while with an amen. Every once in a while, even to wake yourself up. You know, nothing wakes you up better than just amen for no reason. Just be careful that it's in the context of the sermon and it doesn't, like, be real awkward. I'm going to go through this, and, and, and I want you to, um, we'll, we'll repeat together, we'll read the first line, and then, then there's some questions that, that I think these, question, these, these words invite. Say this with me. Our Father who is in heaven, do you have intimacy with God? Are you open for Him to move? I mean, do you sense His presence? Or are you seeking His presence? Do we have intimacy with each other? Are you vulnerable to others? Can I, can I tell you, you, you realize, folks, that most of the time I stand up here and preach to myself as much as to you, right? You understand that? That as I open God's Word, that, that God speaks to me. You know, as Amy was singing this morning, we were singing the reckless love of God. God just kind of kind of put his thumb in my back and said, you know, why don't you stop having pity parties because I blessed you far more than you deserve. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that just being, I'm being honest with you. This, this ideal of being vulnerable is contrary to my personality. Anybody else with me? <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's, it's not me. To, it, it's a hard thing for me to be vulnerable. Are you being vulnerable with others? Say this with me. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. You are the holy other. There is no one like our God. Do you have proper respect for God? D does His kingdom have priority? Are you seeking the values of His kingdom more than your values? Are you seeking the goals of His kingdom more than your kingdom? Next scripture. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> Does your life reflect God's kingdom? Is it about your way or his way? Next one. Give us this day our daily bread. This is a tough one for our culture, right? Uh, you know, in, in the culture of Jesus, they understood food being provided day by day. Who has a refrigerator in your basement that has enough food in it for two months, right? That you'll never eat. You know, see, we, we stockpile. And, 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 and I'm not advocating being a good steward, eliminating all your resources. But, but, but sometimes we can rely on what we have more than on God. Are you trusting God for your daily needs? 
Go ahead, Dave. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is hard stuff. I hope when you read the Lord's Prayer, you, you read, you, you pay attention to what you're saying. Are you forgiving others? Kingdom people, let go and forgive. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, if you can't forgive, I can't forgive you. I got to say, I, I don't know that I fully understand that. But I accept it because Jesus said it. <laughs> and, and what I find in the church, just, just to be honest, is oftentimes we can't forgive and let go. That, that, that sometimes the hurts in the church are deeper than anywhere else. And it's partially because we think, well, at work, people are going to stab me in the back. But when somebody stabs me in the back in church, how can that be? It's hard, isn't it? Are you forgiving? And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Are you doing all that you can to be living with, right with others? And with God. And one last one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Does your life bring glory to God? When, when people look at how you're living your life, is it bringing glory to God? Can, can, I, can I give you some good news from this scripture? If you're living the rest of this prayer, your life cannot help but bring glory to God. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. I'd like you just to be obedient here in the next few moments. Uh, you know, altars are always available. Maybe you want to come pray. Maybe you want to pray in your pews or your seats. We're going to wait just a couple minutes and Pastor Bob's going to come and close us in prayer.